So how many of you are, are parents? Raise your hand. Okay, good, good. Um, the, the title of the, of the talk that I wanted to do um, is called, Where Have You Been? Pastor Mark asked us to talk about the places we've been and the things that we had done. So I, I started thinking about where have you been, where have you been? There's three ways of, of saying that sentence, um, and they have different meanings based on where you put the, the emphasis. So first one is, if you put the emphasis on the first word, where, it's a little bit of an angry sound. Where have you been? So those of us who are parents, and you know, we may have asked our kids who are coming home late from the movies, or they haven't picked up their room, or, or something like that, where have you been? It also applies sometimes uh, between spouses, you know, uh, come home late from work, from the golf course, or, or shopping. The husband or wife will say, where have you been? Where have you been? <laughs> and then, of course, at, in a work environment, work situation, um, sometimes you've got the coworker, the colleague who comes in late or has called in sick because his grandmother died for the third time this year. And, and she said, where have you been? So there's, there's a certain tone. And, uh, and sometimes that, that's evident when you, when you put the emphasis on that first word. Even in the book of Genesis, when uh, after they had bitten the, the forbidden fruit, God went looking for Adam and Eve. And it was Genesis 3.9 where he said, uh, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? And of course, he knew where he was, but Adam and Eve were so shamed by what they had done, they were hiding uh, from, from God. So let's open it up with a discussion question here at our tables. I'm not sure if we had a chance to, to put it up on the screen, but it's think of a time when you were angry or frustrated and questioned someone about where they had been. So we'll give you a couple of minutes for that. Okay. Okay, how, how's that going at the table? Come up with some good instances, good examples. Where have you been? All right, so the second way to ask that question is to put the emphasis on the last word, where have you been? And um, it's typically a nicer way to ask the question, and it's usually meant to inquire about somebody's life story, their travels, or some other interesting facts that, that you're interested in. Uh, where have you been? Anne likes to go to Barnes & Noble. We, we both like to go to Barnes & Noble, and there's a book that she always points out that says, uh, wherever you go, there you are. And so the kids, the kids love to see that, and we just kind of a running joke inside the family. Um, and so for the next few minutes, each of us will discuss where we've been. That's where, what Pastor Mark asked us to do. And uh, mine's more historical because a lot of the things that happened in, in my life, uh, you know, happened a long, long time ago. And Anne's is going to be more, maybe even more, probably more emotional because it's more recent. So I'll just run down my quote-unquote, life story and, and show you where I've been. So I was born in El Paso, Texas, grew up there, grew up in El Paso and Okinawa and Puerto Rico and England and all sorts of different places. My dad was in the service, in the Air Force, so we traveled a lot, and we, uh, I think I went through six or seven different schools through, through grade school. We're always picking up and going somewhere. So, of course, when I got to be 18 or 19 years old, I decided to do the logical thing, and I joined the Air Force, too, so I could travel some more. And I wound up being stationed at Insulik, Turkey. Uh, I was part of the American Forces Radio and Television Service, and we, uh, we would service all the, the uh, men and women who were at the listening posts, listening stations throughout Turkey and the surrounding areas back during the Cold War. 
Uh, we had listening stations buried in, in mountains in Turkey, and they would listen for the Soviet Union you know, satellite launches and all sorts of stuff. Joe, you're, you're Air Force, so you, you kind of know that. So anyway, when you're overseas, you don't have access to local radio. So we would, we had our own AM, FM, and TV station on, on the base, and we'd play American Top 40 with Casey Kasem and all the different shows from America so our troops could feel comfortable and feel at home. So I got a chance to touch everything. AM, I was a morning DJ. I was uh, afternoon drive, I was overnights and doing all that stuff. And then he went to the TV side. I was a director, I was an audio man, and then eventually uh, a guy on camera. So you get to do everything because you rotate from one job to the next. Uh, so I did that. I was there for three and a half years and was able to build up enough of a demo reel that um, when I came home on vacation one, one time, I went down to the news director in El Paso and he hired me on the spot. He said, when you get out of the service in October, you've got a job waiting for you. So I came, did a year in El Paso, decided it was kind of small potatoes and went to Corpus Christi, Texas and worked there for a while, uh, actually for three years. And then San Jose called and I uh, wasn't sure if it was San Jose, Costa Rica or, or where. I'd never heard of San Jose. Uh, but anyway, they, they flew me out here. I, took me up to Candlestick Park and schmoozed me at a Dodgers-Giants game, and I went ahead and you know, signed a contract and, uh, and did that. And uh, moved out here for about $20,000 less than I should have asked for, because I, I saw the rent prices and, and we, we took, a, took a big hit. But anyway, it was, it was a great career at, at Channel 11. I was the sports director there for 10 years and got a chance to talk to all sorts of high-profile athletes and uh, Olympians and uh, every, every day was, you know, somebody, quote-unquote, important, you know, in the, in the outside world. Um, I got a chance to, to do TV shows with the 49ers and the Sharks and the A's and Giants and spring training and all that kind of stuff and got paid for it. So that was, that was an interesting part of, of my, my career. The problem was, um, because I was the late-night anchor, my shift started around 1 o'clock didn't get home till after 1 o'clock a.m. So now I look back and I realize I was spending more time with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice than with my sons, which is the hazard of that, that type of business. Um, you know, I'd be asleep when they went to school in the morning. They'd be asleep when I got home at night. So I could see that things were not the way they should be. And um, so then I... Because of that, not, not just because of that, but uh, as part of that, we went through a divorce. And I'm uh, um, still, still fairly close to, the, to my sons. They're down in San Jose. They've got their own life, and they do their own thing. But that was 23 years ago. Um, then I started freelancing for Channel 7, KGO, um, burning the midnight oil, did uh, TV at night. Then I'd actually sleep in the, in the makeup room at KGO and get up at 4 in the morning to do KGO radio in the morning. I'd fill in for Ron, enough Ron's, um, Joe Starkey and those guys. And on the TV side, I'd be filling in for uh, Martin Wyatt and Mike Schumann. So that went on for two or three years. Uh, again, got a chance to rub shoulders with all the biggies, and, and we did all the fun stuff at the, at the different stadiums. Uh, then I moved over to Channel 4 and backed up Gary Radnich and, and Vernon Glenn, uh, vacation relief for those guys. And that was about three years. I think from 20... 2005 to 2007, I did, I did Channel 4. Um, 
So then after that, I decided to start my own production company and, and produce a golf show for Channel 7. And that's where the, the wheels really came off. Um, it was a three-person team, myself, a ladies golf pro, and her agent. So it was my job to produce the show for KGO, 13 shows, um, the golfer's job to be on camera and do her thing, and then her agent was going to go out and raise $250,000 to pay for the airtime and the production costs and everything. And everything worked out perfectly, except for one thing. She took the 250 and she left the country. <laughs> so that, that left us in a huge hole with a lot of debt. And since I was the professional of the three, I was in the industry. I had to retain my, my industry standing. So guess who got to pay for all that? 250K. So for the next few years, it became balancing credit cards and you know, figuring out how to get enough production work to, to pay and, and still survive. And uh, it was very, very difficult. Um, it was just a, a terrible time in my life. This was 2000, right around 2000. And uh, then 9-11 hit and it became even more tough to, to find work. So it was, it was the, the worst time of my life and I started looking for answers. Um, and some of those answers were uh, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and uh, even went to the, the Buddhist church in Mountain View for a couple of months just to see what was going to connect. And nothing really hit. Nothing, nothing was, uh, was there to, to really make an impact until the end of 2007, a friend of mine said, why don't you go check out a Christian church? had no idea the difference between churches. So I looked it up on Google, and I saw Jubilee Christian Center in San Jose. And I wound up going down there. They had a Wednesday service, and Pastor Dick uh, Bernal was, was doing the service. And I expected him to have the big Pope hat and you know, the robes and all that stuff. And he, but he was wearing a sport coat and jeans. And I thought, this is, this is weird. I'll come back Sunday, and I'll see what it looks like. And we'll see what the real thing looks like. So I came back Sunday, still didn't have the Pope hat. But he had a really nice suit. The band was energetic. The people were praising God. It was an amazing atmosphere. And I said, I'm, I'm good to go. This is what I've been looking for. So long story short, I wound up uh, getting heavily involved in the sports ministry there. Um, that, that picture is up at uh, Mission Peak. This is from the Dream Center. The, that's from the Dream Center down in L.A. We went down to serve there for uh, two summers in a row. Um, Pastor Matthew Barnett has the largest feeding program and housing program for homeless in, in the country. So we went down there and prayed for, for individuals out on Skid Row, and, and uh, it's just amazing. I wound up going to Bible College down there, Jubilee, and graduated as the, the valedictorian there. And uh, so that was, that was a fun period of time. I actually wound up being on staff for three years. I was in charge of their, um, their video production department and their magazine. So... So it was a great, great time there. Um, and at the same time, because of all that other stuff with the golf show, I went through a bankruptcy. But at least this time, I had support. I had the pastors there. I had friends there, the sports ministry there. Um, so that's already come and gone. I paid everything off a couple of years ago. So it, it really opened up um, new avenues to my life. And then I met Anne and the kids. And that's, that's where things really, really opened up. And we found three crosses as well. Those are uh, two of the three kids. Uh, Charles didn't fit in that picture. JoJo's face took up most of it. <laughs> so, uh, 
but uh, there's, there's all the three kids that Ann has, and the two big boys on the left, those are my sons, uh, Ricky and Danny. So we're, uh, you know, the blended family, and everybody loves each other, and we have a great time, and we do a lot of things together, and, and that's, um, that's, that's the biggest blessing. That's the biggest transformation. Um, as I continued following Christ and doing devotionals and doing, going to Bible college and all those kinds of things, uh, God started handing out little rewards in my life. And uh, some of them I recognized, some of them I didn't. Sometimes you're too thick-headed to recognize when a blessing has come your way. But when I look at the picture of all those guys up there, then I know every blessing I've ever needed is right there in that picture. And so um, as a freelancer now, I, I've started authoring books. Um, I, I was blessed to be able to edit books for two or three other authors, and then I came out with my own. Um, a couple of months ago. It's called Start Small, Imagine Big. And it's about entrepreneurs here in the Bay Area who have started their own companies, started their own ventures. They've left the nine to five world and become their own bosses. And um, actually, I've got a box here. Pastor Mark said, bring a few if, if anybody's interested in taking one. My sales rep, Manny, here is in charge of it. <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he gets a very small cut of each book. So uh, it's, we'll sell them up for 10 bucks if anybody's interested. Yeah, there's my first call. <laughs> Get that. <laughs> um, and then um, we're also doing, I'm uh, also super, super blessed that Pastor Larry uh, performed our, our wedding ceremony last year. We've been married for a little over a year now. And um, one of the things that I wanted to do for him was publish his first book. And so we kind of sat on it for a little while, but um, we're on the verge. I can't really show it to you, but this is it. <laughs> this, this will be Pastor Larry's first book. He's going to show it to the, to the board of directors tomorrow and get their approval. And if, if it's... So, so, so that's, that's pretty much a wrap-up, but the, the final takeaway is that I'm, I'm in the right group of people. And we always are in the right group of people, even if we don't feel like we are. God has us where we are for a reason. And, um, and we're here, and we love each and every one of you. Even if we don't know you personally, we, we have a feeling every time we walk in the door that we're with family, we're with home. We are very close with Manny and Aniko. Uh, Joe and Anita have just been super, super gracious to us. And everybody, I mean, I could name everybody at every table. And it's just been an amazing feeling to know where I was personally and where I am now. There's a satisfaction that knowing, knowing that the Holy Spirit is always with me and uh, God, God has a plan for me. And, um, and he's working it out. And as long as I can uh, open up my heart, open up my mind to understanding and realizing what he's doing in my life, um, I think we'll, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. So that's, that's my testimony, and I want to pass it over to Anne. I've been hogging up all the time, and hers, hers is going to be, as I mentioned, a little bit more emotional, probably a lot more emotional because it's fresher. Um, again, my, my stuff happened a while ago, and I'm, I'm good to go. Her stuff, <laughs> her, her stuff might be a little bit more, you, you'll hear it for the first time. Uh, a lot of the stuff that she has to say, you'll hear for the very first time. Um, only she and I know a lot of the things that she'll probably uh, talk about today. So 
This is my beautiful wife, Ann. So, um, good morning, everyone. Um, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to stand up. I'm short, but I know, uh, especially with Rick. So I tell him he's 5'6", because I want to think I'm 5'5". Five, six, six, six. Six, I mean. <laughs> but anyway, so I said um, I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to talk in front of you. And, and as I, was, I went to the ladies' room, I met Anita and said, Oh, sh I'm, we're praying for you. I said, Thank you. That's really important. And I was coming down the stairs. I said, Thank you, God, for such a beautiful boom. And I fell. <laughs> so I said, okay, thank you, God, for such a beautiful group. I was also praying that this room will be half full. But obviously, he didn't answer my prayer. It's full because I'm really shy. So um, Ron came up to me and he said, and, you know, I'm looking forward to what you're going to share today. I said, so am I because I really don't know what I'm going to say today. And so Rick asked me to come, come and join him. I said, I really shouldn't because your story is enough. And he said, no, I want you to tell your story. And so I'm really afraid. So I have to confess with you, to you that I didn't really prepare. And I just asked the Holy Spirit to help me and share what he wants me to share to you. So if you would indulge me, <laughs> this is a little hard for me. And I've sat through my story and I wrote down what I've been through. And it's really, really hard for me But um, because we were asked and we are here to serve, and I am simply a vessel, and I will allow God to speak through me. So I was born in the Philippines, but before that, I would like to share with you my beautiful children, our children. There's Charles, Macy, and Joseph. They're my blessings. They're my gem. They're my treasures. They're the reason why I'm here. Uh, let me quickly introduce you to each one of them. Charles is actually, um, he graduated a few years ago. He's now in USF. And he's taking up finance, and we're very, very proud of him. He teaches himself Japanese, and he teaches himself how to dance, and he teaches himself Chinese. And so whatever he puts his mind into, he's able to accomplish, and we're so proud of him. Uh, Macy, her daughter, that's during her interview with Harvard, and, um, but she's chosen to go to USC um, next year, so we're really, really proud of her. And again... You know, I didn't have anything to do with it. I just prayed. So um, re we're really, really proud of her. And there's Joseph. Joseph is really, really <laughs> funny. I mean, he makes a lot of faces. You can just imagine he dances and he composes. He plays the violin and he plays trumpet and he sings. And, you know, I am I'm so blessed to have amazing children. And when I was pregnant, I was just praying to God. I said, God, just give me a child who's got two eyes, two ears, one nose, one mouth, two hands, two feet. You know, just normal. And I will do the rest with your, with your help. And um, so I'm blessed to have them. And recently, we've adopted another daughter. And her name is Cammie. And so she's such a blessing. And I think her temper temperament actually just matches our families. So um, a little about me. I was born in the Philippines, in Manila. I was uh, a part of a family of five. I'm the youngest. I have two brothers. And I grew up Catholic. And um, our family has always been really faith-filled. And my mom has always taught me how to love God. And, you know, she said to me, and I passed it on to my kids, who you are is God's gift to you, and who you become is your gift to God. And so I've always um, really exerted a lot of effort to be the best that I could be in every 
in everything that I get myself in, into, whether it's school, I want to excel, and then career. So my career, and I'm going to share this with you, not to boast, but to share with you what God has done in my life. Um, so I actually started, I, I worked as an intern in the largest food company in the Philippines, San Miguel. So if, you, if any of you are Filipinos, you would know this brands. Yes, San Miguel Corporation. And I decided I didn't want to join them after college because when I looked at they said, why don't you want to join us? Well, I look at your memo and there's five pages of AVPs and VPs and it's just so you know, bureaucratic. So I said, I don't really want that environment, but they're very, very successful. So I joined a, a consulting firm in the Philippines, it's SGV, and then I found my way into Procter & Gamble and I handled their largest brand, Tide. And then I went into a, another company like Selecta Ice Cream. I actually relaunched that brand in the Philippines. It's the most delicious job in the whole wide world. Um, <laughs> on Fridays, we get to taste 10 different flavors, three. Yeah, 10 different flavors of ice cream. And I just kept on eating and eating. That's the that's perk of being part of a food company. And then I had the opportunity to work with Gerber and then eventually the Walt Disney Company. So I handled all of Asia Pacific. I was based in Hong Kong. And then um, when I came here, I worked for a dot-com company. And of course, you know the dot dot bomb. <laughs> and then I found myself in a senior retirement community. I worked for Casa Sandoval. I managed the community for about eight years. And then now I'm working for Pacifica Senior Living, um, taking care of seniors, and we have assisted living and memory care. So when pe my, my friends in Procter & Gamble asked me, so what are you doing in a senior retirement community? And I thought about it, and I said, I think my, life my career has followed my life stage. So when I was single, I was with Procter and & Gamble and, you know, Selecta. When I gave birth, I was with Gerber. When I, my, my kids were growing up, I was in Disney. And now I'm aging, so I'm in a retirement community. So that's, that really is my story, right? So I And all throughout, I've, I, I know that God has been with me and has guided me along. And I came here in the U.S. in 2000 because my ex um, wanted to come back here. We were based in, in Hong Kong. And I lived a comfortable life and everything provided for. And then here, we came back. And I think that's when the problem started. And so um, I've never felt so alone in my life. Because I grew up with my family. Um, they're very supportive. I have my two brothers. I'm the youngest, as I mentioned. And here, I felt so alone. I have forgotten that I have cousins in Sunnyvale and Mountain View. And but I felt alone. Um, I met Rick in, in 2000 when I was working for CASA. 2008. 2008, yes. Um, and thank you. And he was sharing with me Bible verses. As I was growing up, because I told you that whatever we do, um, we have to be the best. And so I, my, my comfort lied in uh, reading about from Norman Vincent Peale, Dennis Waitley, Tony, Anthony Robbins, and all of those gurus, right? And so he started, Rick started actually sending me some Bible verses. And I'm like, that's in the Bible? Oh, wow, I didn't know. You know, because my mom would always say, do unto others what you want them to do, do unto you. So that's in the Bible? Yeah. So then the Bible verses started ringing in my ears. And I'm start, I started to really be, um, you know, immersed in it. And I said, okay, God, I, I really want to know you better. And I'm just going to fast forward because I don't have enough time to talk to you about my life. But in 2010, I got separated. Um, I've been isolated from my, 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 um, my, 
my cousins and my family and um, and I found myself in a shelter and this was when I was running a, a senior community I, I was there for two weeks I brought my kids there with me fortunately because prior to that when they were having intake then they didn't really have a room for me and my kids but finally when things got um, hard I found myself in Kaiser and the social worker said you can't go back I said no I want to go back and she said no you're gonna die and so I didn't know what to do my cousin said that's called shelter and I called and she said and and the lady said oh you know what I know you you've called us before we have a room for you and not just for you for your kids so my cousin took me there, and my son hated me for it. Like, I said, you know, one of these days you're going to look back, and you're going to learn from this. And he goes, learn from it? What? And I took, because I took them from school, they were in Moro, and my other son is in All Saints. And so it was tough. And I can't tell you what happened in the shelter. Maybe that's another session but it was really hard and when he finally got out I had to resume my responsibility well even I was in the shelter I was on the phone with all my staff and telling them making sure that the residents are okay and I came back and I just continued on as if nothing happened and one of the girls said Miss Ann they call me Miss Ann <laughs> um, yeah it makes me old right um, they go Miss Ann you know you're like this this you know big tree like a shelter for all of us I don't know how you do it and I think God puts me through all the challenges and struggles that I've been through so that when they ask me, I don't know how you do it, then I could testify I didn't. It's God. And so when I, Rick introduced me to Jubilee and we, we attended a concert and Israel was singing and I, have, I am a friend of God. And I raised my hand wanting to touch him and I said God why where were you I followed you all throughout my life where, where are you and when I closed my eyes I had this vision that when you we were going inside the gate of that shelter he was there and he's the one who was bringing us in it and leading me and my kids in the shelter. So he was there all along. Through all my struggles. And it wasn't easy. And as I was going through my divorce proceedings, it was really, really easy. And I would lean on Rick and his friends and just pray for me. I finally won custody over my kids. And I thank God for that. And still to this date, you know, because Catholics, we don't divorce, right? We're there. So I go, I divorce. God, I failed. I failed miserably because I wanted it perfect. And then I got introduced to the characters in the Bible. They weren't perfect. They're thieves sinners
we're sinners. And so I've always asked God, God, what is your perfect will for me? And that has always been my question to him because I'm afraid that when, he, when I face him, I would account for everything that I've done and I've always failed. And, and I asked my mom, what do you think St. Peter's going to ask me when I reach heaven? Um, and I, I said to myself, maybe he's not going to ask me how I judge people or how well I did in my career. Maybe he's going to ask me, how well did you love? Because that's his commandment, right? His greatest commandment is to love. Love one another. Maybe it is that simple, but we just complicate it. And I ask, I said, God, why is it that when I became a Christian, it got, it got harder? <laughs> why? My life was smooth sailing, and now it's harder. There's more sig, and there's more sag. Why? I thought it's going to be easier. I thought it's going to be smoother. But I think his perfect will for us is to discover is really more about us loving him, about us getting to know him, getting to be closer to him, and that's through life's trials. So I'm here, a work in progress. I am not perfect. I wanted to be, but we're not, right? I'm not perfect. And in my brokenness, I find him more and more. And in my trials, I'm even more grateful. And so in 2010, when I thought, I asked my dad to come here and he's going to be my knight in shining armor and to save me from misery and help me with my divorce proceedings. He, didn't, he couldn't stay. He said, I'm going home. I realized he had dementia. He couldn't help me. He couldn't drive my kids. He couldn't take care of the kids. And I felt even more alone. So the men in my life who I depended on, my husband was taken away from me and so was my dad. My dad passed away same year. And so I said, God, why? Why? Why did you take this man away from me? And then he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in witness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I thank God for my wonderful husband who's been there and who's introduced me to the Bible and who's guided me along. And I thank God for this church. Every morning, we wake up and thank God for you, for the pastors, and for this community. Because we know we are not perfect and we're all in this journey together. For as long as we have him, we'll be fine. And all he, he's asking of each one of us is to love, to love despite the pain, to love beyond the hurts, and to simply love. And that's all I have to share.
So let's take a couple of minutes and um, discuss at your table the most memorable place or situation that you've been in. And it can be a, a good or a bad memory, but just think about the things that you've heard and, and share at your table the memory that stands out the most. A couple minutes. Okay, folks, we'll, um, we'll go on to the final segment that we have. And the final way to ask the question, where have you been, is to put the accent on the word you, as in, where have you been? And the way you ask it suggests that someone has been missing from where they should have been. I know that's a question that God had for me before I was saved and one that he has for all of us when we relax our commitment to the Christian life. Where have you been? God's always been there for us, but have we always been there for him? The Bible tells us that God gives us direction on where he wants us to be. He may command us to stay or remain. He may command us to leave or he may command us to go. Here are six reasons why God may command us to stay or remain. First is from Genesis 18.22, to be accountable. Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Another reason to stay or remain is to be obedient. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. To give comfort, Jesus said, stay here and keep watch with me. To receive the fruit of his blessings, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. To serve his purposes, but Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Or to learn how to overcome adversity. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. We often believe we can handle all situations in our own power. That's when God wants us to show obedience, giving up the desire to go our own way and follow the path that he has laid out for us. Ultimately, God has the best vantage point of our circumstances and knows the outcome that best suits his plan for our lives. So God may command us to stay or remain, and here are five reasons why God may command us to leave, to fulfill a promise. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He may command us to leave for our safety. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. He may command us to leave to retain our dignity. And if any place will not welcome you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet. To straighten out our lives, Jesus asked, Woman, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Or you may ask us to leave to seal a commitment. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So God may command us to remain or stay or to leave. And lastly, here's two reasons why God may command us to go. Number one, to show loyalty. But Ruth replied, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Or to be fearless in preaching the gospel. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves.
And of course, there's the ultimate go command from Jesus in Matthew 28, and I hope we're all living up to it, to fulfill the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the question is, where have you been? Second question is, where are you now? Is God telling you to remain or stay? Is he telling you to leave or is he telling you to go? Only your prayers can answer that question. I read something from Joyce Meyer this morning. She says, it's all in God's timing. God never says, here's what I want. Do it when you're ready. (laughs) Part of listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit is hearing the call to act when God wants you to act. The timing is everything because it's God's timing that matters, not ours. Thank you, folks.